0: may 25th 2017 and that means there's seven more months left until christmas today on the show we'll talk about the legendary christmas truce of world war one we'll count down the biggest christmas controversies we'll discover a way to add some holiday ambiance to your computing time we'll continue the great diehard debate and before we're done we'll have a good old fashioned grinch off okay let's start the show Welcome to the show! Merry May! Everyone around me is getting excited for summer, and I'm over here sipping on hot cocoa like a crazy person. Don't get me wrong, I love summer as much as the next guy, but it's been a while since Christmas, and it'll be a while until next Christmas. So, let's stoke the fire, grab some hot cocoa, because I need a little Christmas. Now!
1: We need a...
0: This tip for putting a little Christmas in your life comes from listener Lindsay. She left this comment on the Can't Wait for Christmas Facebook page after our February episode where I talked about using YouTube for background music while you browse the web. Yeah, that's a long setup, but it's about to pay off. Here we go. Lindsay writes, Has anyone heard of the ambient mixer? It's background sounds that you can adjust. I found some Christmas ones to go along with what Tim mentioned in Need a Little Christmas Now. Thanks, Lindsay. So, this is pretty cool. It's essentially a digital mixing board with all these pre-programmed sound combinations. I'll be honest, I didn't look at any except the Christmas ones, but there are sleigh rides, train rides, and even a relaxing sounds of a crackling fire. Kind of like what you're hearing right now. This mix is called Quiet Christmas After Company Leaves. Nice way to fool your ears into thinking it's Christmas. If you don't feel like scrolling through our Facebook feed to find Lindsay's comment, I've put a link to the ambient mixer in the show notes of this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And that brings us to our countdown segment, five golden, things. five golden Things. Today we're going to count down the five biggest Christmas controversies. Some of these were one-offs that happened one year and went away. Others come back year after year after year. But they all tried to throw a little humbug in our holiday. And I'm going to try and look at both sides of each one. Starting with... Number five. Christmas Creep. Okay, so it's September. You're in the store trying to buy some Greek yogurt or kale or whatever healthy people buy. You turn the corner on the next aisle and you come face-to-face with... Christmas decorations? What? It's just barely autumn. The kids just went back to school. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness? This is Christmas! For some reason, the thought of seeing Christmas merchandise or advertising before Thanksgiving drives some people crazy. Now, I tried to see the other side of this, but... I'm just not sure why this bothers people as much as it does. Okay, maybe you don't want to buy a tree topper in September. So what if someone else does? Just walk by that shelf and don't get anything. Do these people complain about everything on the shelves that they don't want? I never buy spam. Why is it on these shelves? Get me a manager. I don't know. Maybe I'll be more impartial on the next controversy. Number four. The Race of Santa Claus. This really kicked into high gear in 2016 when the Mall of America in Minnesota hired its very first ever African-American Santa Claus. On one hand, people think that Santa should look how we're used to him looking. His look shouldn't be changed just to be politically correct. On the other hand, there are those who feel that children of color would benefit greatly from seeing themselves represented in this Christmas icon. Some have even gone so far to suggest Santa should be a penguin from now on course if you believe like I do that Santa is secretly a time lord then he can be any color at any given time. Number three. Nativity scenes in government buildings. This one seems to come up a lot. A nativity scene is put up in a courthouse or other such public building and then there are complaints from non-Christians and it is removed which in turns makes many Christians angry. On one hand, the exercise of religion is supposed to be free in America. On the other hand, the government is not supposed to endorse one religion over another. Clearly, this is an issue that's not going to get resolved anytime soon. Number two. Starbucks cups. Here's another one I really can't see both sides of. Every year for the last, I don't know, half decade or so, Starbucks has special cups for the holiday season. In 2015, the design of the cup was red. That's it. Just red with a Starbucks logo. And people seem to lose their minds. It's beyond belief. Like, the only thing I can think of is that the story was inflated. Like, maybe a handful of people were bothered by it. But I'll wager most of you didn't care. And I have a feeling the internet made more of this story than was actually there. But as much as I'm trying to see the other side of this, I can't see why a red cup threatens your Christmas. Honorable Mentions! Holiday Tree Here's a quick blurb from Wikipedia. Since the 1980s, there have been several instances in both the United States and Canada when official public mentions and references to Christmas trees were renamed to holiday trees. Reactions to such renamings has been mixed. One of the most prominent Christmas tree controversies came in 2005 when the city of Boston labeled their official decorated tree as a holiday tree, and the subsequent response from the Nova Scotian tree farmer who donated the tree was that he would rather have the tree put in a wood chipper than have it named a holiday tree. Wow. Wow. I mean, on one hand, if you're going to have a Christmas tree, you might as well just call it a Christmas tree. On the other hand, it really doesn't hurt anyone to call it a holiday tree and try and be more inclusive. I mean, the tree doesn't care. It's dead. Number one. Happy Holidays versus Merry Christmas. This is the hill people love to figuratively die on every year. Some people object to Merry Christmas, and some people are offended by Happy Holidays. And both of them seem ridiculous to me. If someone wishes you a Merry Christmas, they aren't necessarily trying to force you to change your religion to Christianity, any more than if someone wishes you a Happy Year of the Rooster, they're not trying to force you to switch to the Chinese calendar. On the other hand, Happy Holidays is not an offensive term, and even if it was, no one is forcing you to say it. When I was looking at schools when my oldest started kindergarten, I was talking with a principal, and the fact that I do this podcast came up, and he said, wait, can you call it a Christmas podcast, or do you have to call it a holiday podcast? I was so confused. Of course I call it a Christmas podcast. It's about Christmas. If I called it a holiday podcast, people would get pretty disappointed month after month when I didn't get around to any of the other holidays. But there's nothing stopping us from saying Merry Christmas. Watch! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! See? Nothing happened. And it's May! There's no reason for me to be shouting that in the middle of the night. I don't know, maybe I'll devote some more time to these on a future episode, but that's my list for now. Did I leave any controversies out that you wanted to hear about? Any details I glossed over? Were you offended by the Starbucks Red Cups? You can write in with all of these questions and more to christmas at tancast.com. Speaking of writing in, let's open up Santa Bab's mailbag. Santa Bab, he is gonna read some emails from you, or tweets. Or Facebook messages to Santa Bab. He is opening up his mailbag tonight. Shortly after last month's episode, I got this comment on our Facebook page from Samantha. She shared some info that I thought was worthy of being passed along. She says, Hello friends, Christmas magic is alive and well. On Saturday, I was in a Hallmark store and I discovered a Christmas section in the back. Everything was marked 75% off. I got a Santa gnome, two ornaments, and some Christmas socks. The sales associate also gave me their ornament catalog for this year. I didn't know this, but they start releasing ornaments monthly starting in the summer. There are even ones that sell out quickly, so you wouldn't even see them once November rolls around. So if you have a chance, check out your local Hallmark store. Santa Claus emoji, Mrs. Claus emoji. You're supposed to read those out, right? Alright. <clears throat> anyway, thanks, Samantha. So apparently, you may need to hop on the ball if you want to get your favorite ornaments this year. She included a link to the Hallmark Keepsake Ornaments page, which I have put in the show notes at com. And, as of this recording, they've just put up their 2017 Keepsake Dream Book, with a bunch of new ornaments to look at. Warning, if you are easily persuaded to buy things, keep your wallet far away while browsing this site. That's what I did. Now, our final dip into the mailbag comes from a comment left on our recent episode by John, who writes, I thought I would say I recently found your podcast and I've been enjoying it. Thank you. However, I had a problem with one episode where you went to Snopes, and it said that the mother of Jesus was not a virgin when he was born. That's a matter of faith, not something that Snopes has any clue about the facts. Also, an idea. A segment about how other cultures celebrate Christmas. Thank you, John. Uh, well, Christmas in other cultures is definitely a topic I hope to dive in in the future, but I really want to address the Snopes Merry Virgin thing. I replied to John's comment on the site, but I wanted to clear this up for anyone else who might have gotten the wrong idea from our October 2016 show. Neither I, nor Snopes, were saying that Mary wasn't a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. Just that when she got pregnant with Jesus, it wasn't called the Immaculate Conception. That term refers to when Mary was conceived without original sin. A lot of people use immaculate conception when they really mean virgin birth. So it was just a question of language, not any sort of dispute of what happened or how it happened. Uh, Like, I can't speak for Snopes, but I have no desires or intentions to use this podcast as a platform to debunk issues of faith. I'm just here to talk Christmas, squeeze a few dumb jokes in the mix, and hopefully drop a little knowledge every so often. Speaking of dropping a little knowledge, let's move on to today's feature segment. It's almost Memorial Day here in the States, a time when we traditionally barbecue ourselves silly, hit the beaches, and or go see whatever special effects monstrosity that Hollywood has churned out for us this year. But the little known point of the holiday is to remember and honor all the American soldiers who died during their service. So in that spirit, I thought we could devote some time to remembering a singular event in the annals of war, the Christmas truce of World War I. So I'm just going to come right out and say it. World War One was awful. I mean, I would say most, if not all wars are awful, but to understand why this unique event happened, we have to understand how they got to this point. Now, before I get started, I should know that all of my sources on this feature are from American authors, so there's a distinct possibility that this information may be biased or slanted. I know that we have some listeners in places like Germany, England, other parts of Europe, so if I'm getting any of the facts wrong, please write in to christmas at tancast.com and set me straight. I'll be sure and give you equal time on a future episode. So, there wasn't one big cause of World War I. It was a lot of things. The leader of Germany didn't trust the alliance between England and France and Russia. Serbia was trying to gain access to a shipping port for their landlocked nation by openly encouraging those living in Austrian territories to reject Austrian rule which didn't sit well with the Emperor of Austria. France was still holding a grudge against Germany for the Franco-Prussian War. The King of England viewed Germany's increased naval power as a threat to its hold on the oceans and its many colonies. Plus, Germany and Austria had moved troops near Russia's border, which put the Tsar on edge. So there was plenty of potential for conflict. But so far, it's only present at the highest levels of government. Joe Blow Citizen doesn't care about any of these things, nor does he have a grudge against any of these other countries. So the governments had to make them care. So Germany, Great Britain, and France each launched massive propaganda efforts to vilify their perceived enemies. After years of this, Archduke Frank Ferdinand of Austria was assassinated. The Emperor of Austria's military advisors believe it was a Serbian conspiracy. Even though there was no proof that the Serbians were involved and the German Kaiser raced at the last minute to dissuade Austria from attacking Serbia, it was too late. The war officially began on July 29th, 1914. All sides thought the war would be over quickly. In fact, it was commonly believed that the war would be done before Christmas. Sadly, they could not have been more wrong. This was the first war fought with such advanced weaponry such as machine guns and long-range artillery. This meant that the strategies used in the musket and bayonet days were not nearly as effective. Eventually, this led to the opposing armies being right on top of each other, firing deadly weapons at close range. The only solution was for each side to dig trenches and have the soldiers hide in them. This worked at keeping the men out of firing range, but it was not an effective strategy for advancing on the enemy. So day after day, week after week, month after month, the soldiers hunkered down in the trenches only leaving to occasionally launch ill-fated raids that yielded few results save for massive casualties. When the sun beat down, the trenches were swelteringly hot. As the weather changed, the rain added an unwelcome deluge of constant mud and cold. So it's against these miserable conditions that Christmas came. These soldiers were freezing cold. Many were sick, they were homesick, and they were fighting an enemy they didn't understand. As Christmas approached, the high-ranking officers had no intentions of a truce. It was the common soldiers who decided the fighting should stop. Now, there were over 400 miles of trenches, and the truce didn't happen the same way for each group of soldiers. But one of the most common stories I kept seeing in my research was that the English could hear the Germans singing Silent Night. In fact, Crystal left a comment on our Facebook page uh, about a song called They Sang Silent Night, which was about Silent Night and the World War 1 truce. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Like when After the British heard them singing Silent Night, the British soldiers then followed by singing the First Noel. The British popped their heads out to see glowing lights coming from the German side. They were Christmas trees lit up with small candles. There were stories of the Germans holding up signs saying, If you won't shoot, we won't shoot. One by one, soldiers cautiously ventured out of the trenches into the space between, which had been dubbed No Man's Land, until opposing soldiers met in the middle. Despite the fact that they'd been trying to kill each other less than a day earlier, despite their language barriers, despite the fact that each side had been taught the other side was evil, they somehow found common ground on Christmas that day. They began with the solemn task of burying the dead who had fallen in no man's land, each side helping the other dig makeshift graves. Once that ugly business was behind them, the soldiers found the spirit to celebrate. The men exchanged gifts, like food rations, buttons from the uniforms, even helmets. They played games, sang songs, and even danced. Both sides knew that fraternizing with the enemy was considered treason, but regardless, they celebrated. They started to see the other side as human beings. They even made tentative plans to have a similar truce on New Year's Day. Now, of course, the truce wasn't universal. Some sections on the Western Front continued fighting through Christmas Day, and some attempts to offer a truce were shot down by the other side, in some cases, quite literally. And sadly, the truce didn't end the war. When the commanders learned of what had happened, they were furious. Artillery bombardments and raids were ordered over the next few days in order to quash any idea of fraternizing with the enemy again. The following Christmas, artillery strikes were ordered on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to prevent such an event from reoccurring. So instead of being over before Christmas of 1914, the war dragged on through November of 1918. As heartwarming as the story of the Christmas truce is, it's also sad. Just as the higher-ups missed the opportunity to prevent the war from starting, they squandered an opportunity to end the war four years early. This is why I always say that leaders and politicians are only out for... What is it, imaginary listener, that sounds like Kermit the Frog? No one wants to hear your political rants. This is a Christmas show. Say it with me. A A Christmas Christmas show. show. Yeah, you're right. Well, to wrap things up, the Christmas Truce is an amazing moment in history. I can't think of a time before or since where two sides of a war both said, Nope, we don't want to fight anymore, so we're not gonna. And of course it happened on Christmas. If any holiday could stop a war, it's the one that champions peace on earth and goodwill towards men. If you're interested in learning more, I'd like to point you to some of the books I read while researching this topic. There's Truce by Jim Murphy, which does a good job of condensing the events of World War I into a quick narrative without leaving out huge chunks like I just did. Then I found these two books that tell the story from the point of view of Soldiers in the Trenches and they're called And the Soldiers Sang by J. Patrick Lewis and Gary Kelly and Shooting at the Stars by John Hendricks Wait Aren't those young adult books like for teenagers What? I'm not writing a college thesis here It's a comedy podcast hmm. Hey, don't you judge me If you want to do some judging let's move on to our next segment Who Sang It Best <laughs> Tonight, two different artists take on Thurl Ravencroft's legendary song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Who could hope to do justice to this iconic piece of Christmas music? Let's meet our contestants! In the green corner, we have an artist who's much more well-known for his comedy than his musical chops, but he recorded a version of this song for his 2000 film, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's Jim Carrey! Just taste the music, you're a mean Mr.
1: Grinch, is Gallagher is a love, Mr. Grinch. Well, I wouldn't touch you ever 39 and a half before
0: In the red corner, a band guaranteed to bring a little swing when they sing from their 2005 album, Dig That Crazy Christmas, it's the Brian Setzer Orchestra! Mr. Grinch,
1: you're the king of sinful sots. Your heart's a dead tomato spot with moldy purple spots. Mr. Grinch, your soul is an appalling donkey overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up and tangled up us.
0: Mr. now it's up to you to vote. You can watch YouTube videos with the full version of each song and cast your vote at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com You can vote once a day, every day and tune in to our June 25th show when we'll tally the votes and find out who sang it best. Alright, before we go there's a question we are trying to get the answer to throughout 2017 and that question is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It snow, it snow, it
1: it's Christmas Eve in LA.
0: Welcome to the Die Hard, a Christmas movie! Sadly, we didn't get any emails since last episode. I don't mean to criticize, but you're slacking out there. Slacking! Well, to be fair, we got a few mentions in the comments, but they were very brief. Like Chad said, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And Deborah said, I will never accept Die Hard as a Christmas movie. That's great, guys, but why? We're trying to convince people here, win some people over to your side with some well placed arguments. NC Gunny had a slightly more wordy response with, Of course, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, albeit an action one. It has Christmas music, a Christmas tree, and a Christmas office party in the plot line. There you go, a few reasons there. This is like a math problem. You gotta show your work, because you gotta give people as many compelling reasons as you can to vote your way when we take the official poll in November. So please, send us an email to christmas at tancast.com and let us know Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? This is their idea of Christmas. i got to be here for New Year's. <laughs> oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire... And that will do it for today's show. The next time we meet, it will be Leon Day, aka halfway to Christmas. I saw some of you have already grabbed your Leon Day cards from the official Can't Wait for Christmas podcast store. If you haven't and you'd like to, there's still time. I put a link in the show notes at cantwaitforchristmaspod.com. That's also where you can check out the ambient mixer that Lindsay shared with us and cast your vote in our Who Sang It Best. Don't forget to email your die-hard Christmas opinions before next month's show and in the meantime, keep laughing all the way. <laughs> Christmas 1983. (laughs) Actually, Dad, it's 2017.
1: Oh, oh, thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable T-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can't wait for christmas pod or on twitter we are at christmas pod or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com the can't wait for christmas podcast is part of the tancast podcast network we wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget
0: anything? God blesses everyone. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, oh!
0: it's may twenty fifth 2017 and that means there's seven months more left until yes she included a link to the hallmark keepsake or la, 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 la. she included a link to the hallmark keepsake ornaments page that is a ho- that is a tongue twister all right here we go taking it from the beginning she included a link to the hallmark keepsake ornaments <laughs> I'm just pausing now because I don't want to trip up <coughs> She included a link to the Hallmark keepsake ornament page. Nope, I don't like that one either. I, I this is the part where I never finish the show because I'm trying to say Hallmark keepsake ornaments page. I did it. I said it. Can I edit that in? No, I got to start over. Ugh, darn it! She included a link to the Hallmark keepsake ornaments page with "I've put the oh no, which I stumbled on which." She included a link to the Hallmark Keepsake Ornaments page, which I've put a... (laughs) (sighs) It's almost Memorial Day here in the States, a time when we traditionally barbecue ourselves silly, hit the beaches, and or go see whatever special effects monstrosity that Hollywood has churned out for us this year. Nope. Gotta as a long sentence, and I don't have the lung capacity to finish it. Let's try it again. It is actually too hot in this garage for a change, so I'm going to take off my sweatshirt. Hey, that's right. Sun's not out, but guns are out. Booyah. They're kind of like cap guns or maybe squirt guns, but whatever. The guns are out. First war fought with such advanced weaponry, such as this was the first war fought with such advanced rep. Uh, this was the first war fought with such advanced weaponry. Weaponry. This was the first war fought with such advanced weaponry. Woo, advanced weaponry. This worked at keeping the men out of firing range, but it was not an effective strategy for advancing on the enemy. The enemy. I hope that doesn't sound like i'm being critical of chad and deborah for their comments like i'm just happy they caught com- like they didn't have to comment at all they didn't have to listen at all so i'm super happy that they commented i was just trying to get more people to say more things about diehard chad deborah are we still cool much love top left kisses